Welcome to the Soul Mama podcast, where we have deep and honest conversations about healing, awakening, spirituality, and wellness on this sacred journey of conscious motherhood. We ask how we can walk this path in a way that nourishes, elevates, and heals us and our children. We deserve space and time to slow down and tune in to our hearts, to heal ourselves, and to honor our highest callings. It starts with us. I'm Nahanda Truscott-Reed. I'm a mother, holistic wellness coach, writer and speaker, and I am passionate about all of the ways we can raise our consciousness and come into more alignment and power as women and mothers. So we can heal the past and make more empowered choices for the future. Our stories and voices matter. It is my intention that these conversations inspire, motivate, and move you on your own Soul Mama journey. I'm so honored that you're here. So welcome back. I hope you're well. This is the second part of my conversation with Leila B, a mother of three and a specialist on all things traditional Moroccan postpartum healing. We've already learned a bit about some of the ways a new mother gets celebrated and honoured traditionally. In this episode, Leila continues to break that down all the while encouraging us as Western women to demand more. I really hope you enjoy. So the rituals that would be done for a woman during pregnancy, like are there specific things that are done for that stage as well as the postpartum stage? So I've discovered there is a ritual that happens in some regions, mm-hmm. um, but generally like as a pregnant woman, so main people are again, so she's a special person when she gets pregnant. So they, they're trying to take extra care of her. So don't lift this, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Just relax, you know, and like cooking for her and taking care of her. So even before she becomes a new mom, which is good. Um, but there's also a tradition. So when the community used to hear that a woman was pregnant in their like neighborhood, so the whole community would offer her like a taster from their food. If they cooked something really, you know, yummy at home, um, then they would go and take it and knock on her door and say, here, this is for you. And especially if she was around and she smelt something, they would not let a new mom like crave for anything. Mm. I, I told the story before <laughs> of my mom and how she, she, she was in England, so she didn't have family. She ended up having like a Moroccan friend and she was pregnant with, with my youngest brother and it was Eid time. So she was craving uh, liver or something, you know, <laughs> unique that she couldn't find anywhere. And she was pregnant. So that lady was like her Moroccan friend, you know, not even, you know, from her family, her friend who was also young. And she was like, oh, my God, you want this? Let's go to my house right now. So they left the house and the poor lady slipped on, down this hill and she was holding me. And when she fell down, bless her, she kept holding on to me so that I wouldn't hurt myself. Oh, wow. The lady, the lady broke her leg. Bless oh, my God. <laughs> but in the end... After all that, my mom still got to eat her meal in her house. So that's the importance wow. of giving the pregnant woman whatever what she wants, she no matter. <laughs> yeah, even if you break your leg, <laughs> you give her the, the meal, bless her. 
Oh, that lady, oh. she's still our friend. She's so lovely. Oh, and, um, and yeah, so it starts like that. Then in some cities, so in Meknes is another city more toward the mid-Morocco. They still have this tradition where a woman, if she's pregnant and she's at the seven-month stage, they have this special party just for her. Mm. And again, they have this group of women who come and they're singing prayers. Um, it's like to protect the new mom. She's not a new mom yet, but soon to be. Yes. Uh, to protect her from any evil eyes, to celebrate her. And of course, there's always sweets and food and beautiful clothing. Mm -hmm. So they buy her or make her all these new kaftans. This is when she's pregnant. And then also when she's a new mom, she has like special clothes and everything should be new and, you know, beautiful. And they do the henna uh, painting on the hands and feet. They, they do that in some cities still to this day. It's just fascinating. And I think you're painting such a vivid picture of how, you know, rich and spiritual the Moroccan tradition still is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for women who are not Moroccan and maybe don't have access or are feeling disconnected from their own cultural traditions, mm -hmm. how do you broach that subject because I know there's a lot of speak around cultural appropriation and about what people feel comfortable being able to do because mm -hmm. you know me hearing all of that if, if I had a baby tomorrow like I would definitely want to go to Morocco you know <laughs> like to have that that, that experience and I know that's kind of what you're offering in your training and in your retreats is the experience for women from all cultures to be able to access this. But how do you feel about women kind of coming to that for the first time? Yeah, um, like I always say, like I, I always share and um, share this knowledge because I want it to be of benefit to, to women everywhere. And I think we just need to keep in mind, I think it's like really simple. So what I say from like my opinion and perspective is that if you're going to take a training, it's not for like new moms who are getting, you know, that service. But as a person, if you're interested in learning closing of the bones, like Mexican style, find a Mexican teacher. There's so many of them. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, people are like, oh, we can't find one or it's really difficult. It's not. There's loads and loads of people in, in lots of different countries who offer, you know, these traditional trainings. Um, like I do the same with the Moroccan. So there are people who are training and then they start to offer the services in the community. So you could um, find someone like a postpartum doula who offers those specific treatments. Mm -hmm. Of course, if you want to go to Morocco, go to Morocco. <laughs> there's, uh, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. You're like, you know, supporting people there. Um, you can go to a local hammam and uh, even as a new mom, if you find someone offering that service, then why not make the most of it? Mm. But I think the key thing is like to, to plan. So like we start to plan for the birth plan, mm -hmm. we should have a, a like postpartum plan. So what can I start to do immediately? Like when I give birth, who's going to be doing what? The closing of the bones, the massages, all of that is important. But if you don't have access to that, there's so much more you can do. Mm -hmm. uh, like I mentioned before so who's going to clean your house some people will say oh who cares you don't need to clean the house ignore it yeah who's going to clean the dishes when they pile up who's going to mm -hmm. clean my stained underwear and all these things that are going on someone needs to be doing it so is your partner doing it are you mm -hmm. saving up or just paying for a cleaner I'm not doing it as a new mom there's no way I'm going to 
get up and have to clean my house, you know, or anything. We need to start to demand these things. It's not like, oh, should I, should I not? No, I'm not cleaning in the postpartum. I'm not cooking. So let's find the solution to who's going to do that. If you just have more rest and you have all these good nutritious meals, that's like a big part of the healing. Mm -hmm. And then you could start to plan like, okay, if you're interested in wound steaming, that's quite easy to set up. You just need to have your herbs and follow, you know, like a recipe or some guidance from whoever is telling you what to do. And you can start to incorporate mm -hmm. these things in any case. And if you like Moroccan food, you can find like interesting recipes online or through a book or through, you know, you can find Chinese postpartum meals, Indian, which, whichever, you know, all sorts of different things are actually available. Mm -hmm. And so it starts with your like support and family. So try to get them on board first and get that support around you. And then if you can get a postpartum doula, that's absolutely fantastic. Who, who offers some sort of ritual where you're getting, you know, that benefit of closing of the bones, uh, postpartum massages, mm -hmm. uh, the traditional baths, belly binding. So yeah, of course, why not use them if they're available in your community? Get them. It's really good to hear that because I think, especially coming from particular backgrounds, there is this expectation to just prove that you're you have it all together mm -hmm. and you know normally the emphasis is is in reverse where you know I'm going to try and make sure my house is clean and tidy so that visitors come and everybody can see that the baby's yeah. being presented really well and I'm going to make sure that everybody's hosted and there's all of this pressure to kind of host family um as visitors and as guests rather than in the way that you reframe that and I've heard you know spoken about in other postpartum wellness traditions as like you're the guest you know <laughs> you're the person who needs to be celebrated honored like you said and you know people coming around should be coming with food at the very least if they're not coming to help mm -hmm. and actually you know support you in in not having to do anything for that time and so I wondered, because obviously a lot of that in, in say, my case and for some, some and many other women has fallen to the partner, you know, and obviously what you're describing has been a very feminine approach, you know, with, with women of different generations. How do you feel that changes or do you think it's affected if that's, you know, your husband who's having to do that because you don't have access mm -hmm. to anybody else? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'll answer that in a minute. But going back to what you were just saying, like it's really, I find it interesting at times and, and crazy at the same time. Like you were saying, you know, you have to get up and host and clean the house. That, that does, that's like mind-blowing. And, and why women like accept that. And it's, I find it interesting. Why I find it interesting? Because, you know, when you hear about stories about these uh, countries, you know, that are, quote unquote underdeveloped and you know they're, they're they'll say oh the women are oppressed there and the women are this there and but you know they're not like if someone told me that I had to get up and clean the house <laughs> and serve people literally I would I don't know what I would do <laughs> but, but it's not <laughs> going to be nice you know and I would and even you know I'm I, I am a feminist and I'm like all for women this and that and I'm independent, but sorry, I've just given birth to, to a baby. Exactly. I've been growing this baby for nine months and you may have other children as well. You may have other traumas and exactly. losses and things going on. 
and then you're expecting me you know you have to demand it so I always laugh like when I'm pregnant my parents know like oh god when are we getting on the flight when do you want us to come so they're like here three <laughs> months before I even give birth because they know I need I need mm. that support I need my mom that's I need food I need like you know I'm with my pregnancies I'm vomiting all the time so I need I need help and I need the kids to be mm. dealt with and I just need to lay in my bed and do nothing or watch Netflix oh <laughs> so, yes. so, so and then they're there for like after the birth and this is them having to physically you know buy a ticket which they don't expect me to pay for anyways and then come here all the way and spend like six months of their life has to be blocked out and that's normal so we need mm -hmm. to start asking and demanding for more it's mm -hmm. like women have always been like left behind and people always like okay so you're given birth just go back to work bring the money and take care of the baby and you know whatever so literally <laughs> i'm getting all excited and i'm like <laughs> No, but it's so true. And it and it's it's sad more than anything yeah. because women feel the pressure, you know, to return to work or to prove that they're they've resumed some sort of sense of normality. You know, I see women, you know, wanting to get back to the gym like weeks after their babies have been born, or you know, this pressure to kind of like reduce their their postnatal bump or mm. you know, to to kind of snap back to some kind of normality too soon. You know, I've seen women go shopping for groceries and coming back and coming upstairs and doing the cook and I'm just like wow mm. like we, we've disconnected from what we actually really need because I'm sure if we if we gave ourselves the space to feel into how we're actually feeling in those moments for me I knew I didn't want to leave my bedroom mm -hmm. you know I just literally wanted to hold my baby and feed my baby and that was it like there was nothing else that I had capacity for and yet there are women who you know through circumstance or through just lack of knowledge like haven't even realized that there's another way and i'm mm. hoping that this conversation is is painting the reality the the image that you can have something different and that it's it's not selfish or overindulgent yeah. mm -hmm. or only for women or only for a particular demographic of society or only if you've got you know a year's maternity leave or any of these things like there are small ways to begin to honor yourself and then to bring in people to honor you. And even the fact that I had to pay for the closing of the bones, for example, of course, I want to honor women's work and, you know, postnatal doulas mm -hmm. are the only women who are doing that in our society. But there was a very, like, a, a kind of jar in my brain around the fact that I'm paying for a service for something that it should be here. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like, it was that awareness that like, this is something that women and families should be able to experience without having to be in the privilege of having a financial disposable income to pay for you know and of course that woman's not going to have a personal connection to you because she has probably only just met you for the first time and so there is I believe a lot more subtlety that can come when you're nurturing a community of, of support you know from pregnancy from conception um and so the women that I support you know I encourage them to build like you mentioned this kind of postpartum plan where you really start to look at 
your network and think, okay, who can I start to educate and encourage to be there for me in this way? Even though they may never have heard of it, they may not have experienced it themselves or don't understand it, but they could still be that support to me for that month or for those 40 days. I'm hoping that women listening to this can really start to see themselves in that way and, and realize that, yes, we deserve that. Like, that's what's going to help us to replenish and heal. And, and when we don't have that, that's what leads to, you know, like you said at the beginning, all of the pathologies that postpartum women have displayed, because I feel it's this real lack of that nourishment yeah. that you're mm-hmm. describing. Definitely. And, and since you asked about the partner, I think, as I mentioned, so tra- in traditional culture in Morocco, because there is a big community and lots of people who are there to support. So everyone, you know, kind of has a role. So the women are there supporting the woman, uh, cooking, cleaning. So then again, we do have visitors. That's part of Moroccan life, you know, lots of uh, hospitality and community. So people will be coming, you know, just to, to say their respects and to see, maybe say hi to the mom and the baby. But, you know, they'll probably bring something with them. But it's not actually needed because the other women in the house are cooking and they're cleaning and the new mom can just stay in her bed. And traditionally people mm. will come to her in her bed and just say like, if it's a woman, mm. maybe the men would just stay with the men's side, but the women will come and mm-hmm. just say hello, uh, maybe have a cup of tea and she doesn't need to get out of uh, bed. And she's the, the guest is also served and taken care of. I think everything has changed even in the way, you know, People talk about visitors, for example, in England. I always hear people saying, like, even like doulas and things, don't accept visitors, put a note on your door and tell people not to come for the two weeks and all this and this. I I get it if 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 you have no support and they're just coming and you have to host them, then that's not really mm-hmm. uh, acceptable for the new mom. But maybe your visitors would be your family and then you could talk to them Mm -hmm. in advance. Probably, you know, because of the way things are, they don't understand how they can support you. But if you said mom, sister, auntie, dad, whoever, would you be able to come for the first week or just drop me some meals or, you know, whatever you you need to ask because Mm -hmm. they don't know that this is normal and it's expected of them. And I think the partner Mm -hmm. needs to be, ready to relieve that pressure especially if the woman is working so they should be able I think to help the new mom so okay you don't need to go back to work Mm -hmm. reassure her that okay I've got this you can you know spend this few months at least you know and you don't have to worry about finances Mm -hmm. I know it's different for everyone and of course even in Morocco it's like there's a lot of poverty as well and some women do need to go to work for example as as a circumstance but generally mm-hmm. the the man in morocco or the yeah generally the partner would be a man and then he would be going to work bringing you know the the shopping the vegetables the food the the meal you know everything they need to cook for the new mom mm-hmm. and offer her that's what he's doing so maybe he's not involved in the closing of the bones or the hammam or any of that because it's just how traditionally it was done women helping women but Mm -hmm. he's helping in another way so he's you know preparing everything if there's if there's a party he's getting all that together and making sure the new mom doesn't have to work and worry about that Mm -hmm. and nourishing her so all the foods and shopping he he's completely responsible for that 
So mm-hmm. I think it's difficult now in the West with the different roles and things, you know, it's different, of, of course, to traditional cultures. But I think there needs to be that conversation where the new mom should expect that she can have a few months at least to rest and not have to mm-hmm. worry, you know, like, oh, my God, I need to financially support, you know, uh, everyone in the house or maybe she could look into ways because I like to talk about the business side of things as well how she could possibly set Mm -hmm. something up online so she could be making money if that's possible without having to actually you know physically be there for three months in a row like she could set things up before Uh, like that's what Mm -hmm. I do because all my work is online mainly like 95 percent so there are ways we Mm -hmm. can start to look and plan so like the planner is really good to to look at ways to make it the most, to make it the easiest time for the new mom and, you know, her family. Well, thank you so much. It's been just a pleasure hearing more of the nuance and the actual experience. And I can just feel the benefits like tenfold, <laughs> you know, having not necessarily experienced it in, in as immersive a way, but just feeling what that can do for new mothers um and so I wondered you mentioned that obviously a lot of your business is online but for people who want to follow you up and you know hear more about your work you've also just released a book speak to us a little bit more about that um yeah so with all this knowledge and everything I thought okay I want to preserve it so it's always there hopefully for the rest of time so if someone's wondering oh what do they do in Morocco or what used to happen in these traditional cultures and in West Africa and things like that, um, which was like a big passion of mine to make sure it stays mm. there for all the all time. I'm sure it will anyways, because we have, you know, all these rituals are being passed down. Yes, it's getting a bit diluted along the way, but but hopefully it will be there. But anyways, the book is there as an additional um, resource. So it's called Revive, Reclaim, Restore. Uh, the subtitle mm, is Traditional Moroccan Wisdom to heal the new mother in the first 40 days. And it's just full Mm -hmm. of like everything we've been talking about, my story, Morocco's story, and then all the stages that I mentioned for the postpartum. Mm -hmm. There's lots of recipes um, and things in there. People want to follow me, they can just visit my website. So all my offerings and like events and things are on there, which is leilab.co.uk. So just on the business side of things, we are coming to a close, but I have to ask, how are you balancing motherhood of three, um, being a wife, doing all of the things that you're doing and having a successful business? Like, just speak to me about that, please. (laughs) It's not easy, but I think like with everything we've been talking about, like it just came to me now, it's it's the mindsets first. It's like, like, you know, I had a podcast interview, someone interviewed me a few weeks ago and she was like, I like the way mm-hmm. you're just like demanding that people take care of you and that you have support at home and this and this and that. And I was like, yeah, to me, <laughs> that's like a mindset I built. I guess we all, if, you, mm-hmm. if you're not there, you should uh, build it up for whoever, you know, is listening or, you know, any woman around the world. It's like, you need to take care of yourself. So for me, I've reached a stage where, this, these things, you know, there's some things which are non-negotiables and I have this determination and mindset where, 
yes, it doesn't matter that I have three babies. It doesn't matter, you know, that they drive me crazy. Um, and, you know, I want to grow my business. Since I was a little girl, I wanted to be a millionaire. So I'm like, I'm determined to reach that, not only because I like things and I want the choices, you know, that I want to make in my life, but also I want to help other women around the world. So like the more money I have, the more good I can do around the world, mm. even in, you know, Morocco, starting with my own country, I want to do a lot of things. You know, there's no shortage of things you can do in like any community, exactly. but like in Morocco, I've, I was thinking the other day, like when you want to give charity, you don't need to even go online and donate to a charity. It's just like, I talked to my parents and they're like, oh, this lady, her husband just died and her son is disabled. And and she's, you know, spending day and night cleaning or this woman has cancer and she can't afford any treatment at all. This lady, you know, it's there's nonstop mm. stories just like directly through them, let alone when you go and mm -hmm. talk to people like on the street or in the market. So for me, it's like a big driving force. So I've mm -hmm. created like an online business. So you, as you know, I have like the online courses. Um, online mini courses online i used to do some business online coaching so i try to do more things the majority of my work is digital business so that gives me more mm -hmm. time it's given me more money uh, i work from home and then it's given me the ability to hire full-time nanny and a full-time housekeeper so then i don't have to worry about that because if i'm cleaning all mm -hmm. day and i like the house to be clean mm -hmm. if i'm cleaning all day I'm not going to work, am I? That's just like a matter of fact. So I do cook. I cook, I cook five times a week. My husband cooks uh, on the weekend, but I'm aspiring mm -hmm. for my chef. So <laughs> claim it. Yes. I, I literally, we have conversations where I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for, I can't wait for our chef to come exactly. and be, and, and come and support us. I can't wait for so-and-so to come and join our family because there is an, a, a real gap between the fact that all of these things need doing constantly every single day. And the fact that if, if you're the one doing them, there's other things that you're then not doing coming into this online business world myself there is that real stark realization that like I'm having to take time away from other things to create time for other things. And so the more support we can bring in, the better. Because sometimes you think, oh, I don't want to pay for a cleaner. I'll just do it myself. I'll save that money. But in the time that you're cleaning, you could be doing something, you know, trying to generate more money so that you could pay for that. Right. This, Of course, I understand we all start somewhere. So when I started my online business, mm -hmm. You know, we were in this tiny apartment. I always laugh. We had this, you know, those plastic IKEA tables. <laughs> so this little plastic thing was like my dining table. It was our, uh, uh, my office desk. It was my everything. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't have a cleaner. I, ha I didn't have this or that. But slowly, as I started to make some money, so even whatever I had, I would invest it in others helping me. So then I started to hire a cleaner. And then slowly, slowly, that was like two hours a week then it was two hours a day and then it was you know uh, more hours and then it was full time and then you get you know you you, you need to build if you want to create this empire mm. just get your mindset there like I deserve this I can do it it doesn't matter you know where you're from what your race is your color is like we can do it so just put your mind to mm. it and then start to look at the strategies behind it and the way you know you want to build your business and 
And I'm actually, we're thinking to start homeschooling our kids. So that's another. <laughs> wow. You need to listen to my podcast on, on that very subject. Um, it's about unschooling ah, with Akila Richards. I'm going to listen that to convers- that. <laughs> yeah, please do. That conversation really just made it like, okay, if this is my vision and my belief, which it is, how can I like shift other things so that I can be available for that, you mm. know? Um so, so much of what you're saying is resonating with my personal journey right now. And I definitely am going to continue this conversation with you For sure. because, um, yeah, the more, the more of us who are already doing it, like the more confident it makes us that, exactly, yes, this is possible. Exactly. Yes, we can do it. So thank you. And when you see women, women of other colors, you know, not, of course, I have nothing against white women. Uh, I love all people. But like, it's nice to see other people from different parts of, you know, the world and different, you know, women of color, black women, different women who are doing great things and yeah, and winning and big. So yeah, it's important to have that access as well. Definitely. And so last question (laughs) for women who maybe haven't experienced this, who maybe already have children and who are sensing a sense of maybe grieving or regrets or loss that they don't have access to this or didn't have access to this. Is there anything that you would say to those women? Yeah, I would, um, I would say that I think there's always time for healing. So even if you didn't have, you know, these rituals in your first 40 days or your first 10 years or 11 years or 20 years, there's always that chance to heal. I would still recommend you to get those rituals that stem from the postpartum time and still get them because, you know, once you have a baby, you're always like a postpartum uh, woman, a mother. So I would still suggest mm-hmm. anyone who's feeling, you know, I didn't get my healing. It's, it's, it helps close that kind of chapter. And uh, mm. and on my retreats, there was a lady, she's called Pilar, uh, living in America. And she, she had seven children. And we gave her the whole like ritual from the bath to the steaming to the closing. The midwives were there. They were saying prayers. We gave her tea and then, of course, lots of food. <laughs> and after, I was like, how like did you feel? And she was telling us. And then she immediately just started. She was crying and she was like, I was trying to hold it. I was like, you don't need to hold it. And she was saying, you know, she was amazed how it was. She felt like it was a rebirth for her because her child was much older and she never had anything like that. And she felt something, you know, physical, spiritual, emotional. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it was a new journey for her. And I love those kinds of experiences because then it reaffirms to me that, you know, this is important work. We need to keep keep doing it. And I can see even the ladies yes. on the retreat when we're have, setting up the celebration and everybody gets involved. So when we're taking the, the woman to the, the, the bath to give her the ritual bath, everyone gets to carry something. So someone's uh, carrying candles, someone's carrying the, the rose water, someone has the bukhur, you know, the incense, someone has her clothing, someone has her food, someone has the sweets. And we're all part of it together. And they dress her up, mm-hmm. they make sure she's warm and with all the prayers. I remembered like on the last retreat, I looked around because I was busy running around and I saw most or all with tears coming down their eyes because it was something, I guess, so different to what they've experienced Mm. or seen, but because it's normal to me. And then when I saw everyone, it made me pause and think, oh my God, 
like this is very important a lot of women are suffering so so i would say reach out to people maybe you need to share your birth story maybe you need to get a closing maybe you need to just uh, have like a belly binding maybe some womb steaming or you know just share your story and talk to someone who will understand um, what's going on and start that process of of healing yes it's never too late to heal <laughs> never too late and it's so important you know i see women 30 years later who are still not healed from their births um and so i just thank you for bringing this work into the world and for allowing us to all have an insight into the healing medicine of traditional moroccan ways um you're most welcome thank you for inviting me and for allowing me to share so thank you as well it's been a pleasure Wow, I think you'll agree after hearing that. If you didn't already know just how important it is to honor the sacred window of the postpartum period. I felt this so viscerally myself when I had my children and it's what led me to creating the Soul Mama journey to support women to plan beyond birth, to call in the support we need and as Layla said, to demand the care and the time that we need. I have a sacred pregnancy and postpartum one-to-one virtual coaching program where I take you through planning for some of these rituals and more importantly, finding the resonance from your own cultural traditions, whatever those may be. If you go onto my website now, www.soulmamajourney.com, you can find more details there along with the full show notes of this episode where I link Layla's website, her training and her book. If you want to know more about my own personal postpartum healing journey, you can check out the article I wrote entitled My Mother Moon. You can also check out the Soul Mama blog for a guest post by Anissa Scott Lee, who is one half of Mumbub Hub, a company that creates products for postpartum healing and wellness. I have got all the resources laid up for you this week. Whether you're pregnant, have recently had a baby or are just thinking about it, you are going to find these resources useful. Enjoy. Thank you so much for listening. Head over to www.soulmamajourney.com for more resources, including the Soul Mama blog, the show notes to each episode with links and references to everything mentioned, and for more ways to work with me one-to-one. Make sure you're following me on Instagram at soulmamacoach for more personal shares and updates, and you can email me at nahanda at soulmamajourney.com. I so love to hear from you. Share the love with your friends, family, and anyone who would benefit from listening to this. And if you could take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, wherever you've listened to it, that really helps more people to discover it. Thank you. I appreciate you. Stay blessed.